Morning, good evening, but most importantly, good afternoon. Welcome <laughs> to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name's James Iris, joined by Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone. And yes, most importantly, good afternoon, even though we always say good whatever time of day it is you're listening to this, because today we are flashing back to the late 80s slash early 90s, and one of the last really formative eras of cartoons before we became teenagers, Chrissy and I, mm-hmm. the Disney Afternoon. Ah, Disney Afternoon. I live for it. Specifically, the adaptations of these four best-known cartoons in the block for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm Mm-hmm. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, Tailspin, and what was the other one? Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. That was the one game I did not do well in was Darkwing Duck. I love Darkwing Duck as a video game. I did not do well in that one. I am the danger. I'm Darkwing Duck. The Disney Afternoon was established as a thing around 1989, when a couple years after Disney entered syndicated television with DuckTales, based, of course, on the Scrooge McDuck comics by Don Rosa, Carl Banks, and all of them. Is it Banks or Barks? I can never remember. I think it's, I th- I've heard it reported as both. I want to say it's Banks, though. I want to say it's Banks. It is Banks. Yes. It is. Oh, no, it's Barks. Well, there goes my memory. It is, I, I just double-checked, looking up quickly looking up Flintheart Glomgold, a character I know was created by Barks. And so 1987, DuckTales is originated. The following year, Disney comes along with Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Rangers. Off of that. Oh, wait a minute. My mistake. D- Rescue Rangers came along in 89 on the Disney Channel. Oh, these shows all premiered first on the Disney Channel. They entered syndication the year after. Which is one of the reasons why we got the Disney Channel. See, this is the thing that, that kills me about Disney+. Plus. I remember when the Disney Channel first came out. I remember when it first came out. And I was just like, hey, it's a Disney Channel. And you had to pay extra for it, which my dad sprang for it because I was such a Disney nut. And I annoyed the shit out of him until he did. And I remember watching these on the Disney Channel and then watching them go over into the afternoon lineup, I think on ABC. which We had it on Fox, Disney. I think. Although they also did Saturday morning appearances on ABC, a few of these cartoons. Yes, yeah, you know what? You're right. It was Fox during it was Fox during the day because after they ran Disney, this is really sad and this really is dating myself and I don't give a cur- I don't care. When they had the Disney afternoon, because I remember I was at a babysitter's house at the time because I had someone who watched me after school because my mom knew better than to trust me on my own. They had after it the Gong Show. The new Gong Show, you mean? The new Gong Show. So you would watch. You would watch the Disney cartoons, and then was the Gong Show, which I didn't know was the new Gong Show. I just knew it as the Gong Show. 
Right. What? <laughs> I'm a geek. The Disney Afternoon Block was formalized in 1990 with the debut of Tailspin, folding in the existing Chippendale and DuckTales cartoons, and also bringing in the gummy bears from Saturday morning. Another game. Another for a show year. I love. Yeah, and then they, they swapped it out for... Um... Darkwing Duck took its place, and then every year the oldest show would rotate out for the newest thing. DuckTales rotated out. Bonk, uh, Goof Troop rotated in. Chippendale rotated out. Bonkers rotated in. There's a heck of a side story about Bonkers, but since that's not part of the collection we're looking at today, we'll uh, yeah. get into that uh, probably on the Cartoon Podcast, actually. I remember when they rotated out DuckTales and the the outrage of all of like the preteens because you rotated out DuckTales. Like it was like you could have touched any other show in that lineup, but you touched DuckTales. Mm. You did not touch DuckTales. I remember they didn't touch it again in that Disney Afternoon collection. Like they rotated out Chippendale, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck, but they didn't touch DuckTales because I think the one year they did it, there was such an outrage from like it took a lot back in like the 90s to like upset preteens, but like that upset preteens. <laughs> like we were like, where's DuckTales? How dare you? Which I really sad because Goof Troop is a really, really good show. I, and I, their video and the video game for Goof Troop is a lot of fun. Um, at some point, I have to have you over to play it because it is definitely a two-player game. As I recall it, DuckTales what just went back into regular syndication when it was rotated out. I believe we NBC in our area picked it up to uh, yeah. for their own afternoon lineup yeah, after it, it left the the Disney afternoon. Which, but it was just like I still remember like in parochial school because at the time i was going to saint Cecilia's, and like my whole like the like the three class like the three older classes four fifth and sixth grade were furious that they took ducktales off of because because you could set your watch by the disney afternoon you could and, and if when they took it out we had no idea where it went so it was like suddenly there was this new thing with goofy we're like what's this Where's my Scrooge McDuck? Like, where, where's where's my where's my treasure hunting adventure? Like, where is this? Bring this back. So, well, we're gonna take a short break and we're gonna start talking about the games. In the meantime, I think a sea monster is eating my ice cream. I'll be right back. Go get him! Go get him! After each show made its debut in syndication, Capcom would release an NES game based on the property, starting with 1989's, of course, DuckTales. And you knew this was being considered a big deal because DuckTales was one of the first licensed games to be featured on the front cover of Nintendo Power magazine. Yes, it was. And it was... I'm sorry, I, I got distracted. There we go. Um, 
I just bought the remastered DuckTales on Steam. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I got distracted when I was told this game was remastered. DuckTales was actually, I want to, it was done by Capcom. And Capcom, I will say this, did an amazing job with all of the Disney properties. For the time period, the graphics were amazing. It was a very, the, the levels were, were not too difficult. Like they weren't, they weren't NES difficult. They were hard, but they weren't difficult. And it's one of those games that you always had replay value because you picked the stage you start with. Right. But no matter what you picked, it seemed you kept going back to Transylvania in that game. You had to go back to Transylvania. Transylvania was like, I think, my favorite stage. <laughs> like, I really yeah, but you it. had to go to, to Transylvania to get the key to the mines. And mm-hmm. then you went back to Transylvania again for the end game. Yep. So you could take on Dracula Duck. Yeah, a character who just kind of kind of an odd choice since he doesn't have any uh, appearance in in the cartoon or, to my knowledge, the comics. I always wondered when when you went up against Dracula Duck. I wondering if it was kind of a um a, um an homage in a way to Dracula. You mean Count Dracula? Count Dracula. I knew I was going to mess it up. Or possibly Quackula from Filmation. Ooh, that's true because that did come out before this. Well, before in the late seventies, I want to say. So, Pemmy yeah. would know. Pemmy would definitely know. Pemmy, let us know. He's done a review on, on Quackula. And, uh, I remember watching that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going, oh God, this is bad. <laughs> Filmation, so bad it's good. But this was definitely Capcom at the peak of their 8-bit creation powers. You know, Just around the same time they came out with Mega Man 2. And a lot of the Mega Man staff worked on this DuckTales game, including uh, Tokuro Fujiwara and Keiji Inafune. And they're also their sound programmer, uh, Yoshihiro uh, Sakaguchi also worked yep. on this game as well. Um, and it's and with DuckTales, as you play DuckTales, you can definitely see a lot of Mega Man format in DuckTales. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the stage elements as set pieces. Mm-hmm. Some of the patterns of the enemies are, de- oh, are definitely Mega Man inspired. I- oh, yeah. And the fact that you have to, like, what's cool is, is you can pick your stages. But sometimes things you need to get to the secrets in one stage are hidden in the in another stage. You have to go back and forth between the stages to get all the Easter eggs or all the secrets. And it's very hard to play this game if you didn't have the the owner the user's manual because let me tell you, picking it up and playing it years later as an adult, I kind of there were times that I forgot how to use Scrooge McDuck's cane. <laughs> Yeah, the the controls for the cane were a little complicated. I believe you had to be jumping, and uh, so pressing the one button, and then you had to hold down the other button and down. Yes, to use it as a pogo stick. Right. Oh, that yeah. mercifully is fixed in the uh, remastered version. Woo! Oh, I can't wait. Ducktales, I enjoyed a lot. But the game that is still near and dear to my heart, it was one of my favorite games. It took me forever to beat it, but I did eventually beat the game, was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Okay. I, I actually do have a little more about DuckTales, I want to say. Go for that it. DuckTales was one of the first NES games I personally beat. Nice. See, I, Up there I, with Super Mario Brothers 2. 
and I remember sending a letter to Nintendo Power about my highest score. Getting a letter mm-hmm. back. Never got published in the magazine, but that's fine. I didn't have a screenshot, so. Oh. See, I wrote letters to Nintendo Power all the time, but usually because I was yelling at them about their grammar. Uh, so it was a oh. geeky background. Dear. I was like, um, I this was a great write-up. You totally screwed up this part. Like, I'm sure someone there was like, the snotty twelve-year-old is telling us how to write a how to write an article. <laughs> I also submitted pictures for their Mega Man design contest too. Okay, and, yeah. And, and somewhere I actually have the magazine where they published all the picture, like almost all the pictures they received. I didn't get published and neither did my best friend because Dino actually submitted some characters to them too. But it was kind of cool. Stuff we used to do to Nintendo Power. Uh, real quick, well, last thing on DuckTales, we got to make sure we mention mm-hmm. the music, especially oh, yes. the moon stage. We're going to insert a little clip of that right here. <laughs> is one of the masterpieces of 8-bit chiptunes. And you know how great of a theme that is? It is actually used in the new DuckTales. It is actually the basis for the del- for the lullaby that Della Duck sings in Whatever Happened to Della Duck. You know the part where she sings the lullaby to right. for her for her kids. That's actually the that the moon theme is the basis of that lullaby. Mhm. Which I think is kind of cool because it pulled in such an icon. I don't know anyone who doesn't hear that that theme and go, oh my god, I know that theme. Like, because even if you didn't play the game, you've heard it. Yeah, other elements of the video game made it into the revival cartoon as well. Like in the intro, you see them uh, spin the mummy out of, out of its bandages. That's straight out mm-hmm. of the Transylvania stage. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, they knew what they were doing. And real quick, on that remastered edition, that would be the final performance of Alan Hale as Scrooge McDuck before his passing. Hmm. I will say David, David Tennant did do, does do a good job as Scrooge. I will I Absolutely. do have to say that. But you know, he's but yeah, oh, he was an iconic voice for Scrooge. Hmm. Um so. and little a little side note for that on Scrooge McDuck's accent. In ninth grade, um, I was in a play called Brigadoon, and one of my friends, Tim Ballew, um, he actually played the part of the priest in it. He was the only person in this play to to master the Scottish accent. No one else who was playing all the Scottish characters could do a Scottish accent. Like, and our director was like, "If you can't do the Scottish Scottish accent, don't do it. Like, just stop. It's gonna sound horrible, and if you can't hold it, it's gonna throw the audience out." He was the only one who who mastered it, and he and he could stay in, it, and he stayed in it for the whole three months of play rehearsal. And we, I asked him when I'm like, "How did you master the Scottish accent so well?" I didn't have a speaking part, so I didn't have to. And he says, "I watched Scrooge McDuck." <laughs> he binged DuckTales. He went to Blockbuster and rented all of the DuckTales VHSs, and he just watched them nonstop until he could do the accent. Well, better Scrooge than Scotty from Star Trek. Fair enough. So this is for you, Tim. I still remember that. <laughs> all right. Now we're ready to move on to Chip and Dale. 
Rescue Rangers. So I didn't realize there were two Chippendale Rescue Rangers games. Oh, yeah. Just like there were two DuckTales games. And yeah. both of them came out after their respective series left the Disney Afternoon block, which struck mm-hmm. me as an odd bit of timing. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. But I love... The reason why I kind of like Chippendale a little better than I like DuckTales was there was actually a storyline to it. Where DuckTales, you're just going around collecting treasure and trying to outdo Flint Glomgold. Right. With Chippendales, you were actually playing, you were going on a rescue mission to save a kitten for a girl named Mandy. And you play as Chipper Dale. And you literally kind of have to, so it literally plays like a cartoon episode. Which I thought was cool. And then I like how they do the twist in it. Um, For those, spoiler alert, but not really a spoiler alert. As you play through the level, and I remember this, replaying the game while I was stuck in quarantine. Eventually, it comes out that like once you defeat this crazy robot that stole that that stole the kitten, you really you learn that actually no, it wasn't about the kitten. Fat Cat was just trying to kidnap Gadget so Gadget could create things for him. Hmm. So and then you have to start to reach the casino so you could save Gadget. Right, and it's a non-linear game as well. You oh, get a yeah. choice of which direction you can go in. Yeah. And it was it was kind of, you know, this is the thing I kind of enjoyed about it, is you could play this with two players. And sadly enough, there is no continue. So if you fully die, you go right back to the beginning of the game. But it is a two-player game where one player controls Chip and the other player controls Dale. Right. This is a rare two-player effort for Capcom. Uh, most of the two-player games I can think of came from Konami back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then I like how they used all of the Rescue Rangers. So, like, Monterey Jack, when he shows up, he can break down certain barriers that Chipper Dale can't break down. Zipper the Fly will works kind of like the star in Mario Brothers. It gives you invincibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gadget actually became kind of your helper. She would give you tips and advice on how to beat each stage if you wanted her to. So it was kind of cool because they took the characters of the Rescue Rangers and they made sure that what they had them do in the game fit their personality, mm-hmm. which I thought is really cool. And this was another one that was produced by uh, Takuru Fujiwara, who also worked on DuckTales. This was the only one of the Disney Afternoon group to make it to the Play Choice 10 back in the day. Yes. And that's true. where I remember first playing it at a local uh, deli, across, just kitty corner from when, from when I was a small kid at Tryon Estates. Ooh. I remember reading the coverage of this game in Nintendo Power, and there was the one stage where you're taking on enemies inspired by the Cuckoo Cola episode. Yeah. And Nintendo Power remarked they wanted those enemies to get their own game. I think it was like everyone like wanted them to have their own game. Like it was one of those that it was such a well-designed stage and it was just such a fun stage that like, you know, it was like the stage you looked forward to versus Battletoads and their stage, which you absolutely dreaded getting to. Um, right. People just enjoyed that game, like that part of the game. And there was such an outcry. I think I remember one of the 
letters to the editors. Like they just had like two pages of people writing letters to Nintendo asking for a separate game with those characters. Hmm. And it was something people wanted. It just never happened. Right. That was a missed opportunity. Probably because with them being just one-off characters for a single episode, Disney probably didn't want to invest in it. Yeah, and I always felt like that episode, like, they totally could have brought brought those characters back for another episode, and I think that episode would have been a hit. It is, this is a game um, that I would definitely say is still worth playing. Um, This is kind of one that, you know, play any way you can, because I don't think it was ever re-released. It is on the Disney Afternoon Collection. Which is awesome. Yeah, you can find that on Steam and both the PlayStation and Xbox ecosystems. See, I know I can turn to James because he will know where to find the copy so you could buy it so you can still keep feeding these designers. And as a matter of fact, if you buy it on Steam until May 15th, it's five bucks. All right, adding that to the wish list. Disney Afternoon. One of these. There it is. Yes, it is five bucks, seventy-five. If you don't buy it before then, it will cost you twenty bucks, people. That's still twenty bucks for six games. Isn't too bad. Oh, considering your uh, average uh, arcade archives release from Hamster will be a single game for eight bucks. Indeed. And this collection comes with a rewind feature and tons of concept art and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm going to be busy the next few days. And you know, I actually. Popped it on just this morning to refresh myself on Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So it had been so long since that first time I played it. And I quickly realized I need to get a new PC gamepad. Yeah, that does happen. Because my muscle memory is left-hand movement, right-hand action. If I'm playing with a keyboard, it's right-hand movement, left-hand action. Mmm... Yeah. Doesn't quite work. Nope. But you know, I don't know what I think the biggest missed opportunity with the Rescue Rangers games has been. What's that? They never busted out Norton Nimnal. I know. I know. Poor Norton. He always gets overlooked. One of those brilliant Jim Cummings. Was it? I think he was performed by Jim Cummings. Listen, you could sit... Th- I'm going to be honest with Jim Cummings. You could guess that a male character's voice was performed by Jim Cummings. And nine times out of ten, it was performed by Jim Cummings. Yep, it was yeah, him. Yeah, Frank Walker. He, he did Norton. He did Fat Cat. He also did uh, the Lizard Wart, who appears as one of the stage bosses in the first NES game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, this game actually... I feel bad, because... This game was released in America in 1990, uh, about literally a day after the Japanese release. But poor Europe did not get it until n- late 1991. Mm, right. I feel so bad for them. Poor pals region. Now we kind of have to talk about the ugly duckling of the Capcom uh, NES Disney Afternoon games. Tailspin. Tailspin. Surprisingly enough, Tailspin was not done, was not developed by Capcom. Uh, It was actually composed by Sega. What? Yeah, Radiant Software Interactive Designs and Sega Interactive Designs developed Tailspin. It was not developed by Capcom. 
Wait, 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 wait. Where are you finding this? I'm finding this on the tailspin thing. Oh, there is a cap. Never mind. Chrissy's going to shut up and go into the other room. There's two. Dude, there's two tailspin games. They came out at the same time. One developed Are you looking at the Turbo Graphics one? Yes. That's what happened. Yeah. Dude. Dude. I was about to say, Sega developing a Nintendo game? Dude. Sega did their own. Mm Mm-hmm. I can now tell why this game kind of sung. There were two versions of this game out there. Dude. And this game, as opposed to the to just about all the others, which were platformers, this was a mm-hmm. shooter. Which, what? in theory, fits Tailspin pretty well, because it's, uh, you know, it centers around planes and aircraft. So the fun thing about Tailspin, Tailspin actually takes place decades upon decades before DuckTales or Chippendale Rescue Rangers. They actually place it probably about the 1930s in the world of... DuckTales. Right. So it's kind of cool because technically, chronologically, this game came first. So this was interesting with the Disney Afternoon. DuckTales, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck all share the same universe. Chippendale was considered to be a separate universe because it had humans in it. Right. So. I've heard some producers say otherwise, but let's be honest. If you go by the rebooted versions of them that they're doing now, they're all in the same universe. And backing up what you said, uh, when the DuckTales cast eventually does visit St. Canard, they run into a grown-up Kit Cloud Kicker. They do. Yeah, so so it's one of those things where they initially, yeah, it, they initially, um, well, they don't go to St. Canard, they actually go to Cape Suzette, because that's where... Um, Oh, wait, St. Canard is Darkwing Duck. That's right. Yeah. My bad. My turn to go into the other room. <laughs> we take turns at this when we screw up. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. But, yeah, but that was kind of interesting to me is that they kind of kept almost all of them in the same universe except at the original Chippendale Rescue Rangers. That actually was determined to be a separate universe. Even Darkwing Duck, the original Darkwing Duck, Dates in it that it is a separate universe. When Darkwing Duck and Megawatts co- come to our world in an episode, and oh, you mean Megavolt? Megavolt comes to our world in an episode, and then towards the end of the episode, the guy who was using them to make money to create the Darkwing Duck cartoon, he has a radio that could tune into other universes, and then he turns into the universe of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they are a separate universe from Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, and Tailspin. And presumably and then, Goof Troop. And Goof Troop. And I think Goof, Goof Troop is part of, I call it the DuckTales universe. Because I think Goof Troop is part of that, too. Right. Yeah, so I figured it out because I was this much of a nerd as a kid. So Tailspin, technically, in the timeline, happens first. Then DuckTales, then Darkwing. You'll notice we're not saying much about the game. Yeah, sorry. So let's go back to the game. Yeah, I think you're the one who has the most experience with this one. So it is definitely a shoot 'em up game. It's not a bad game per se. It's not as engaging as 
Chippendale Rescue Rangers and DuckTales and Darkwing Duck. For what the show is about, this is actually a good... I mean, you you can't really turn Tailspin into a platformer without having some shooting in it. Though they tried on the TurboGrafx version. They did try on the TurboGrafx version. But honestly, like, this is a game that could be a hybrid game, but... The issue that most people had with this game was, and compared to the other ones, was the difficulty. Mm. And it is an extremely difficult game. So if you're not someone, if you're if you if you played Ducktales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and then went into Tailspin, it was completely different from the rest of the games, and it was a lot harder. You know, I actually kind of wish Konami had gotten a hold of this one since, you know, they were the premier horizontal scrolling shooter company at the time with, you know, the Gradius games and Parodius and all those. Oh, yeah. This would definitely have been more up their aisle to do. But at the time, I think Disney had a contract with Capcom. Right. So it was kind of one of those... Uh, yeah, that would have been a better pick. However, I think their hands were a little tied. Yeah. Um, with that. And I, I feel bad for Capcom because normally when it came to the Disney games, they did an amazing job with the Disney games, with the graphics and everything else. Like they did the games justice for the hardware they had to work with. It's just, this was just the one game where you're like, really guys? Really? I felt bad. I think this one should have been a pass for them, turning Tailspin into a game. Also, out of all of the lineup, this one was... Tailspin, if you go back and watch it now as an adult, you can appreciate Tailspin a lot more. But it was not one of the more popular cartoons. Okay. They could have easily passed on making this into a game. And I think it probably should have. Because the thing with this is you didn't have the same crew working on this as you did the other games. Right. And the, also the interesting thing with this is if you actually look at the releases when it was released, I don't think this got a Japanese release. Oh, I think you're right. I don't, I don't see one here either. Yeah, I think, this one, I think this one went right to America and, and PAL's reason. But then again, neither did our next game. Which is true. Yeah, Darkwing Duck also did not come out in Japan for uh, whatever reason. I guess maybe the Japanese audience wasn't responding to the the Disney games like the American one was. Out of the four cartoons we're tra- we talk about, the two more popular cartoons was DuckTales and Chip and Dale. Because they're actually based off of... If you think about it, they're based off of more mainstream characters. Chip and Dale were not in a movie. They were regular cartoon characters in a lot of the Disney shorts. Scrooge McDuck was the same way along with Donald Duck and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. So these weren't tied to any special movie like Tailspin as characters are derived from Jungle Book. Right. And Darkwing Duck is a whole new character. Based off of Batman. Right. Although that was not the original plan. The original plan for the Darkwing Duck series was to be a Launchpad-centric spinoff. Yeah, because Launchpad was... is <laughs> Launchpad is awesome. 
You just can't help but love Launchpad. Yeah, it was going to be a spy genre sort of thing, which is why there's so much focus on shush and foul in a lot of the episodes. And they and the creation of the character Steelbeak to be kind of a, a sort of counterpoint to a Goldfinger type. I always looked at Steelbeak not so much as Goldfinger, but as Jaws. Mm, fair. Maybe Jaws crossed with Dr. No. Ooh. Or with Goldfinger. Either one. Yeah. Because, you know, Jaws is a henchman. Steelbeak was a mastermind. He wasn't that good of a mastermind, though, so he was kind of like... He tra- he pulled it off. Like, he had the suave to, to play off being a mastermind, but if you really go down to some of his plans, you're like, that's the plan you're going with? Hmm. That That's your best? Okay. Like, I always saw him more as a counterpoint to Launchpad than really to Darkwing. But he could be. He did have his moments. But, yeah, like, I didn't realize they actually were going to go for it. That actually sounds, like, very cool. Like, having, like, a, a spy, ver- like, like Launchpad being the helpless spy. Well, what we wound up with was Darkwing Duck, because I guess they just decided Launchpad worked better as a sidekick at the time. Honestly, to me, Launchpad works better as a character if he's a foil to somebody. Like, he's the funny man to the straight man. Like, he's the funny man to Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck right. is not a funny guy. He's a straight guy. He, he plays the, the part of the straight guy. Darkwing is the same way. Darkwing takes himself very seriously, even though nobody else does. Too seriously. Even though nobody else does. Especially with his, with his lines. Oh, my God. I am the terror that flaps in the night. <laughs> Allow me. I am the terror that quacks in the night. I am the one itch on your back that you cannot reach. I don't need an appointment, for I am Darkwing Duck! He always could do it better than I could. I've got a bit of a gift for mimicry. You do a good job of it. Thank you. I think my favorite one, though, is I am the wrong number that wakes you at 3 a.m. Oh, <laughs> Like, when he goes through that whole thing, and it's like, yeah, that is kind of annoying. Like, he doesn't do anything that's, like, serious. I am the batteries that not included. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I am the headache in the criminal mind. Yeah, that's annoying. Like, the stuff he says, like, I am the terror that flaps in the night. And then, like, he follows up with, like, probably the, the most annoying thing in the world for that situation. I still, the, the, the wrong number at 3 a.m. as an adult now and as someone who grew up in a firefighter household, yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> I believe it. Oh my God. Darkwing, I, whoever wrote Darkwing Duck's lines, like whoever was the person who had to come up with that is a bloody genius and needs to be celebrated because how could, I would never have come up with some of this stuff. All right, back to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of all the games we're talking about today, this was the most Mega Man-esque of the bunch. Oh, yes. This was definitely a run-and-gun game, which suits Darkwing Duck because he's known for using his gas gun. And the different things you can use to um, to change that, like thunder, heavy, arrow, or some of the ammunition yeah. you could put into the gas gun. It's very interesting because it has been said... That the game itself actually runs on a tweaked Mega Man 5 engine. Which makes a lot of sense. Which does, when you look at it. Because this came out right around Mega Man 4. 
four, four or five being in development. Right. This is one that was produced by Takuro uh, uh, Fujiwara, who did DuckTales and did Chippendale. So you can see the quality between the games he made versus the games he didn't make. Right. And it's worth mentioning that there's an odd bit of synergy between Darkwing Duck and the previous DuckTales game, where DuckTales made up a vampire character, Darkwing Duck made up a werewolf character. Nice. I don't think I ever made it that far in the game to get to the Wolfman. Yeah, he's, he's one of the first three stages. Uh, you know, usually I started with uh, the Cracker Jack stage because he was the easiest boss, especially if you had the thunder power up. Mm. And I believe the other one you could go after first was uh, Liquidator. Oh, yeah. He was next. And the s- second wave of stages featured Megavolt, Moliarty, and uh, Bushroot. I always loved Bushroot. I never saw Bushroot really as a villain. He was just someone who was just trying to find someone to love. And he never really hurt anybody. Right. Everyone just, it's just when he would do stuff, people would get upset. And then they're like, he's a monster. And it's like, no, he was just trying to make himself a wife. Because he knew nobody else would marry him. So rather than forcing someone to marry him, he created his own bride. And the other members of the Fearsome Five really kind of uh, laid in on him. I always felt bad for him. I really did. I never him him and Quacker Jack. Uh, Quacker Jack was my favorite villain just because he was fun. (laughs) What I remember most about Quacker Jack was him not particularly liking video games. Don't you know know they rot your brain? Versus your dial devil eat my brain. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. my, my favorite was always Megavolt. Megavolt. They said I was crazy. They, they said right. I was insane. They were right. I love how self-aware that these characters were. Like they were totally like self-aware of themselves. Like it was. You just sit there. It was. And I and I have to say, Darkwing Duck was definitely a parody of. In many ways, of the Batman cartoon, the animated series. Yeah. yeah Megavolt was... was originally voiced by Dan Castellaneta, who was best known as Homer Simpson. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you would watch, like, I just would watch, like, watch Darkwing Duck, and then I'd flip over to Batman, the animated series, and I'm like, oh, okay. This is the fun version. This is the serious version. Excellent. Darkwing was a good one. As, as we mentioned, Darkwing Duck was also uh, given a game for the TurboGrafx-16, mm-hmm. and it has a reputation as being one of the single worst games on that platform. It is bad. awful. The hit detection is all over the place. The stage design is not great. The ending is garbage. Yeah. Especially for all the trouble you have to go through. If you want to know more, there's a YouTuber called Spida1A who does reviews of, or rather who did reviews of the entire U.S. TurboGrafx-16 library. He has completed that run as of a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And his Darkwing Duck one is one of the most frustrated you will ever hear him. Yeah, I... There are very few, and, and I'm sure there's going to be people out there who tell me wrong on this, but 
Of all of the many different reviewers that I watch on YouTube and even online, like very, there's very few truly good, like truly good. No one did it better. TurboGrafx-16 games. Like everyone I've heard, it's like, they're just like, yeah, you could play this better on Sega or you could play it better on super nintendo or you could play better on this system or that's like i've never heard any like there's one or two maybe but like there's not a lot for the turbo graphics 16 and i'm not sure if it's just poor game design people just threw something together to put out a game and try to cash in on the money or if it's truly was a bad system like i feel it's more like missed opportunities than anything else but i always wondered right. like is it is it the system or was it the designers just trying to throw something together to capitalize on whatever the big thing is? I think it's a matter of what games you pick out. Uh, the Turbo Graphics people who love the Turbo Graphics will tell you the shooters on the Turbo Graphics are the best games. Mm. Although I've, I've heard there's a few good sports titles out there. You know, certainly the Bonk series has its merits. I have heard, like, that's one of the few that, like, I've heard is, like, the standout on the TurboGrafx-16 was, like, the Bong series. Like, that's one I, I do remember people telling me was really good and done really, really well. But Bonk was also supposed to be, from what I understand, kind of their mascot, kind of like how Mario was for Nintendo and Sonic was for Sega. So there was plans for Bonk to be like their big mascot for the tournament. Right, and it almost worked. It almost worked. But yeah. now Bonk is uh, one of the many Hudson characters Konami is sitting on. Mm. Yeah, Hudson Soft. I feel bad. They were awesome. They came out um, with some good games. Yeah. I, I only ever beat Darkwing Duck once. Okay. And I, I remember celebrating that day. It was a decent ending, but you know I haven't done it again. We almost got a sequel. I heard that's what I was hearing was there was supposed to be they were almost at a Darkwing Duck too. Uh, what yeah. what killed it? Because I think you probably will know more about that than I do. I honestly don't know myself. Hmm. But, uh, you know, all I have is the Wikipedia article, and I'm trying not to read off of Wikipedia as much anymore. Yeah, I understand that. But so, I would, if, so if anyone has an inside line here about why it never got a two, I would love to hear it. They could probably go into a rumors one. And, of course, we should also eventually, uh, in a future episode, talk about the Game Boy versions of a lot of these games. Because, you know, Game Boy versions of NES games... It should be a podcast all to itself. Oh, easily. and Because there's a lot of pitfalls to porting NES games to the Game Boy. I will say with a lot of these games, the one pitfall that there definitely wasn't looking at the difference between the graphics on the, the home console and the portable was it definitely was not the um, the graphics. Right. The graphics transferred over real good, but you're right. It is much harder to port over to a smaller system especially a system that doesn't do color yet so do we have anything left to say about these games definitely a game these are definitely in my opinion these are definitely games that you should definitely try and play uh like james says you can find them all in the disney afternoon bundle on steam 
Um, I don't believe they're out yet for the Switch or any of the others. I think that's the one place you can find them. It's on the Xbox ecosystem, and I believe it's on PlayStation as well. Okay. So Switch is the only dumbasses that haven't gotten off their butts yet. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a matter of Nintendo's decision. I, I don't know why Capcom and Disney haven't decided to put it on there, because, come on, NES games on a Nintendo system, this should be a no-brainer. Exactly. Come on. You guys brought back so many, like, they put out, like, Lion King and Aladdin, which are two really, really good games that came out at their time. Do the Disney afternoon, especially if you're trying to bring back DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers and all And Darkwing other... Duck. There's a revival of cartoon of that in the works right now with Seth, I believe, Seth Green involved. Oh, I wonder if he's going to do the voice of Darkwing. I think he did the voice of Darkwing when he when they when he guest starred on to on DuckTales. Ooh. Possibly. Let me tell you, like, dudes, just do it. Like, Disney, I don't ask for much, and I know you have a lot on your plate right now with some stupid governor of your state trying to like put the squeeze on you, which is not working because I heard you just sent him a one billion dollar bill, so that's gonna be fun. But put out these games for all of the systems, whether for the Switch, for any of them. Like, come on, guys. It's an easy sell. Switch is one of the biggest consoles that are selling right now. You know, do it. Just do it. It's a no-brainer, yeah. and it's not that hard. Switch does not work on that high of an engine. You can do it. It's be simple right. as hell. Quick money. Easy money. So. so I think we're done talking about the Disney afternoon, but we're not quite done talking about Capcom yet. Because no. this day in gaming history will tie into them, and we will get into Ooh. that right after this break. So I had to dig a little through this day in gaming history because the intended release date of this episode is May 7th. And uh, I'm like, no, I don't know what that game is. No, that that's not that interesting. No, no, that's just a DLC thing. No, that's not the original release. No, no. I had to go all the way up to 2020. No, wait, 2021. Ooh. Basically last year to get something significant enough that I felt was worth mentioning. And that was the re the digital release worldwide of Resident mm -hmm. Evil 8, a.k.a. Resident Evil Village. Oh, and that is a good one. Yeah, after the success of the seventh game, which was considered a return to form for the series, this one exploded, especially thanks to uh, a certain seven-foot-tall vampire... Uh, fantasy woman yeah you know who we're talking about lady d right lady demetrescu i think it's pronounced i'm calling who her lady doesn't d. even have that huge of a role in the game overall from what i hear yeah no she well she does she's she has a role for her stage her character has some pretty witty lines with her daughters and everything so she I don't know how to say it without giving away too much. Her stage is definitely a very memorable stage. 
Her character and the character design is just absolutely beautiful. Very well done. Very old Hollywood-esque elegance, which I think is what interests people a whole hell of a lot more than just how big of a part she played. Right. When her character design was first revealed... I believe a million cosplayers started looking about how to get, get get stilts to work in a costume. Indeed. I mean, she is, she's just amazing. Like, I love how they portrayed her. I loved how they made her, you know, she's just a beauty. She was just a very well-designed character and her story with her daughters is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So when this episode goes live, we will be at the Retro Gaming Minicon in Syracuse at the most, the Museum of Science and Technology. Yep, we're going to be there. So come and see us. You'll find me. I'll be carrying. I'll be buying all the Zelda stuff. And I'll be carrying all her Zelda stuff. Don't forget. But you'll also probably be buying some of your Dig Dug stuff, too. Possibly if I if I can find it. And that reminds me, searching the merchandise. Uh, when I was uh, fi- putting the finishing touches on the King of Fighters episode from last week, I was thinking, boy, I want some merchandise of King. And searching for merchandise of a character whose name is in the game you're looking for, unless unless it's like Mario or Sonic, if it's something generic like King of Fighters and the character's name is King, you wind up with a lot of merch that isn't that character. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to be looking for stuff with her on it when we go on Saturday. But knowing my luck, I'm just going to find my Shiranui. But we'll find something. I hope so. So, But in the meantime, for, for Chrissy Harding, I'm James Irish. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate ev- each and every single one of you who downloads, listens. And uh, hey, if you've got the free moment, give us a rating on Spotify Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts that ratings apply. Until next time, game on. Bye, everyone!